Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Hello, everybody. Um, I think we're ready to go now. It's one o'clock. Welcome to another one of our Practice Manager Update webinars. It's lovely to see you all here. We know lots of you liked coming, which is fantastic. We all like, always like our interaction. Um, but always we will record it as we always do. And that will be available as um, a recorded webinar and um, podcast webinar because you've just got a slide to show you at the end. Um, so as ever, just use your Q&A, please, when you can. Um, it's really good to have the Q&A. It's just a little bit easy to monitor monitor the chat in that way. But we really like you to join in and ask any questions that's on your mind. We don't mind whether it's relating to what we're talking about or whether it's relating to something that's just um, hot off the press um, for you. We're always happy to have um, hear from you. And also, we will give you um, an advice if we can right here and now. If we can't, we'll take it away from you. And actually, sometimes you would all know the answers to each other's questions. That has also proved really useful. So please do put things in the chat if you'd like, in the chat in the Q&A box, if you would like a little bit more comment. So delighted to be joined by um, Lisa Harding and Michelle Lombardi, our Directors of Primary Care, and Dawn Childcraft, our Deputy Director of Primary Care. Lovely to have you all with us. So I think we're going to hand straight over um, to Lisa, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about EDEC to start with. Yes, thanks, Louise. So first topic, as you say, EDEC and um, the GP earnings declaration. So as everybody, I'm sure, will be more than more than aware, um, there is a requirement to submit the EDEC response by the 1st of December. So the deadline is looming, but we are aware that there are concerns. Um, we have discussed this as a team and um, as an LMC, we can only advise you that it is a GMS contractual requirement to declare earnings over 150,000, and to do to not do so would be considered a contract breach by NHS England. Um, now we know there are particular concerns about these qu two questions relating to earnings, i.e., two O and two N. The BMA has issued some guidance. So just to recap, two O refers to the requirement for practices to let eligible persons who are engaged by the partnership know about the GP transparency regulations. And 2N asks if the single-handed GP or partners in the case of a partnership and who are GMS, PMS or APMS contract holders have complied with their obligation to self-declare if relevant NHS earnings are above 156k um, the 156k threshold for the financial year 21-22. Um, so I think that uh, Michelle's going to just put the link uh, to the BMA guidance in the chat for you. Um, we'd suggest you, you may want to look at the, the BMA guidance, which covers those two specific areas. And then as a practice, um, it is an individual practice decision as to how you complete it. Um, again, I don't think, unfortunately, we can discuss it in a great deal more detail today, but we are happy to speak to practices individually if they'd like to contact us. Uh, so that was just all we wanted to update, Louise. Yes, thank you. That's useful, Lisa. And obviously more guidance. As, um, Michelle has helpfully put that in the chat. So that's uh, links available to everybody. And we'll pop that link up with the podcast. We put that and publish that on our website. So thank you, Lisa. That's really helpful. Um, Dawn, I think we're coming to you next. Lovely. Thanks, Louise. Yes. So on the 31st of October this year, uh, NHS England National Medical Director and also the UK Health Security Agency Chief Medical Advisor wrote to healthcare system leaders to alert them to the risk of measles resurgence in England due to suboptimal uptake of measles, mumps and rubella MMR vaccine um, and cases also linked to overseas travel. Um, now, with this in mind, 
um, that they're saying with this steady rise in measles cases, they have updated, they being um, UK Health Security Agency, sorry, they've published some updated national measles guidelines and also some resources with a new slide set for healthcare professionals and support staff in primary care um, to help you with this. Um, the guidelines um, and all the links are on our webpage for VAX and IMS. If you just pop VAX or IMS, whichever, in a, the search box on our website, um, it will take you to that page uh, and, and all those links are there under the uh, MMR um, information. Um, and just on a side to that, I'm sure you'll remember, we mentioned it, I think, on our last webinar, NHS England um, also published a letter on the 1st of November confirming that the um, national uh, vaccinims catch-up campaign for this year, 23-24, is actually focusing on measles, mumps and rubella. And again, all of that information is on our vaccinims webpage. That is brilliant. Thank you very much, Dawn. And we've had obviously very um, something very helpful in about the days to Christmas, 33 days to Christmas. It's good to know. So for me, that's a good thing because I like Christmas. But for everybody, I don't know whether that's a good thing, but I'm pleased about that. That, that keeps me going. Um, I think we've had something in on the chat. I don't know whether we know this. Um, Lisa, do we know how long it does the EDEC take to complete? Is this an onerous form? Is it a short form? I don't know. We haven't because we don't work through it as a practice. I don't know if anybody on the call who's completed it or worked through it is, is happy to sort of just give an indication about how long it took them. Um, that would be really helpful, actually, for us to know, too. Thank you. No, that that would be great. And thank you for that, Dawn. That's fantastic. I think, Michelle, we're coming to you now. Um, a little bit about shingles, please. Yeah, thanks, Louise. So I think we've discussed this on a number of occasions, actually, um, the new ch the new shingles programme and the complexities that go with that. Um, we just wanted to really highlight there was something in the primary care bulletin um, last week that talked a bit about this and some updated technical guidance and also the statement of financial entitlement updates. So I think we would just um, remind practices to uh, to have a look at that because I think that's actually quite important. The bit the the statement of financial entitlement the change has been made when they reference the second dose for well patients aged between 65 and 69, as they'd actually included the an incorrect interval. So. I think the Green Book enables practices where it enables um, the second dose to be given from two months to six months. However, there has been a change to that for the well patients that actually it needs to be given at six months. And the SFE didn't reflect that, but there's been this amendment has been issued to now be in line with um, the, uh, prog the National uh, Shingles Programme. Also, just really wanted to mention as well that there's been some changes to some codes in relation to this. I'm not going to read all the, the, the long stream of codes out because I will get it incorrect. So with the recording of the podcast, uh, with the webinar, we'll pop it onto uh, the website so you can see, because I think it is important that you're aware that there are a, um, a couple of codes that are no longer being um, available to use. Thank you. That's really helpful, Michelle. And um, you have been helpful in answering the question of how long does the EDEC take to complete? So one comment was very quick, about 30 minutes, as it saves last year's um, answers. So that's quite handy. Um, 40 minutes, um, same for me, is another is another um, comment that comes in. And then another one, longer the first time around. Um, and I think that yeah, it, it obviously depends how often you've done this. Um, another um, just answer to come in is first time it's quite onerous if you do it properly, maybe two to three hours and you have to find out a lot of answers to ensure you're really um, doing what you're confirming 
the next time, depending on how many new questions, about 40 minutes. So it sounds like done it before about 40 minutes. First time around, might, you might want to sort of, sort of shut your door and set aside a couple of hours for it. So thank you. That was all really useful because that was an answer that we did not know the answer to. So thank you very much for that, everybody. Um, Lisa, I think we're coming to you next for the um, staff survey. Yes, thanks, Louise. So this was also covered in the primary care bulletin um, uh, of last week. So the general practice staff survey closes in a couple of days. It closes on the 24th of November. Um, the staff survey this year was extended to bank bank only workers and general practice staff. Um, the survey is due to close imminently. Um, so those who's, who've received an invitation are encouraged to respond and get their views heard. Practices with more than 11 responses will receive organisation results. Um, there is a, a an email address if people want more information. I think the BMA are quite keen to try and encourage practices to ask their staff to complete it because they feel like it might be useful feedback. So it is something that we've been talking to practices and ICBs about. Um, but that's just a quick update on the deadline, which is looming. Lovely. Thank you, Lisa. Um, Michelle, back to you for PCSE. We talk about PCSE quite a lot on this webinar, don't you? We do. We do. Thanks, Louise. So um, the, there's just a couple of things we wanted to highlight. So uh, the PCSE bulletin, I think, came out yesterday to practices. And there are a couple of bits that we wanted to mention. So the first, it's that time of year again when we start the end of year pensions process. for, And this will be for 22-23 believe it starts at the end of November and the forms uh, will be available for uh, GPs and practices to fill in. Um, the deadline is the same as always, which is the 28th of February. Um, unless it's a leap year, then there's another an extra day. Um, so yeah, it's really just to highlight that the end of year pensions uh, is starting and that'll be available from the end of November. And then the other pro- other element we wanted to highlight is managing the levers process. And to uh, in the update, PCSC are giving you uh, the guidance on what you need to do if you've got a lever and that you need to log into PCSC online. Um, and it talks you through the process. And uh, just as a reminder that if that isn't done, it can have obviously implications for pensions, et cetera, uh, and how that goes forward when the GP is either retired or left. So there's just some useful guidance in the PCSC. PCSE bulletin for you to be aware of. Lovely. Thank you very much, Michelle. Um, Dawn, I think we're coming back to you now, please. Yes, thanks, Louise. Um, This is um, a small item, but could have a big impact, I guess. So um, there was some information we became aware of about the IIIF uh, indicator for um, access, IIIF being the um, Investment and Impact Fund part of the PCN DES, um, and AACO8 is the indicator I'm sure you'll be familiar with about patients uh, having appointments within the two-week time frame. Um, Now, NHS England issued some further consolidated guidance on these GP appointments um, only recently, um, acknowledging that not all appointments actually would be expected to take place within the two-week time frame, as we all know, and that they are working with system suppliers to implement the exception reporting. And NHS England go on to say that whilst the exception reporting is being rolled out, the thresholds for this year, 23-24, have been adjusted to take account of the circumstance. Um, Now, we have been aware or be made aware, sorry, that the system suppliers have actually now got the exception reporting in place, TPP and EMIS anyway. 
Um, however, they do advise that the PCM performance for 23-24 will continue to be measured through, through the existing ACCOA indicator, i.e. via the thresholds. At this stage, whilst the exception reporting is there for you to use, it's being introduced for testing and data development only and will not affect your achievement payments this year. So I think it's worth knowing it's there. I'm sure you perhaps may have already spotted it and are using it. But actually for this year, it's not going to help you with your achievement, we're told. Thank you. Thank you. That's a really good heads up, Dawn. Thank you. Um, and finally, I just wanted to share my screen. I just popped a little slide up, which might be helpful. Hopefully you can you can see that screen now. Um, I just wanted to share um, some support offers that we are aware of. There are lots and lots of support offers out there, but we have had quite a few queries in, in the last week or so that I think this might be worth um, just reminding you or just sharing with you if you haven't didn't know from the start. So we have a GP support offer from ourselves, from Wessex LMCs. So there's one-to-one -one support from our GP medical directors to your GPs. Um, and that can be really helpful. There's, an, there's a confidential email if they want, if the GPs want to use that email, that's absolutely fine. And our medical directors um, and our chief executives are all GPs themselves. They absolutely walk in the, walk in the, in the footsteps of the GPs working in the practice because they do exactly the same thing themselves. So if your GPs want to chat about anything, please don't hesitate hesitate to put them in contact with um, with us and we can suggest one of the GPs gives them the call as they're completely confidential and can be very very helpful for you and there's also a booklet about some GP support. Just wanted to highlight practitioner health just in case you weren't aware free confidential NHS primary care mental health and addiction service with specific expertise in treating health and, and care professionals so again one to look out for. The Queen's Nursing Institute, which I have to say is something I wasn't aware of until fairly recently, registered charity dedicated to improving nursing care of people, but they offer financial help, a listening service and educational grants for nurses. Um, we had an issue just recently that um, one of our um, practices contacted us and the nurse wanted a little bit of advice. We went to the Q&I. They were really helpful, very, very nice people, very helpful. And they are nurses. So nurses talking to nurses often makes a big difference. And finally, our practice manager supporters are always here for you. We have eight practice managers who have been recruited to work with us at the LMC, and they will support you in anything. If you just want to chat to somebody, if you've got a particular thing going on, um, and we've got just launched some space to thrive groups. We um, launched these a little while ago and have relaunched them in the summer. I sent out an email that some of you might remember just talking about, you know, we can't stop the clock, but we can try and create a little bit of time for ourselves to encourage you to carve out time for yourselves. These are sort of professional support networks. Um, and we're just aware that sometimes the role of a practice manager can be quite isolated. So if you're interested in anything like that, do give us a shout and just do remember that the support is there for you if and when you might need it. So I'll stop sharing my screen now. I don't the rest. I see there is a couple of questions coming in, um, which is um fantastic. So just well, I'll just have a look at the support one. Is there any support for NHS workers who are struggling with financial issues due to the cost of living crisis? So I'm not aware of particular ones. I think um Emmy, you're from BSW. I will have a look because I think there are various different support things going on, but I'll have a look. It's a really good, it's a really good question, and I will find out for you. Something completely different is um, current issue on most people's minds is a 6% pay uplift, which I know we've discussed in this forum and in, and in any other forums. Um, 
can we discuss again what is included and how we work out the figures? I don't know whether we're in a place now to do that or whether we can offer some information. I know this came up at a recent um, budgets and cash flow webinar we had, and we went through the various things, what you can see on the set and how to work it out. I don't know, Michelle, Lisa, are you happy to sort of share um, what you know about that? I wonder if it's worth a conversation. Oh, sorry, Lisa. If, no, no, you go ahead. If it's worth a conversation with uh, the participant who's raised the question, um, because I think, so I think to be clear, the it, they had this was a unique year and it's never been done before. Usually the, when the DDRB reports, it, it only includes salary GPs and GP retainers. However, this year it cl included all practice staff within that, excluding Agenda for Change um, team members that are on Agenda for Change. There was a se separate award. Um, there has been much discussion about the 6% and how that's being implemented. Um, very happy to have a conversation with that person to to look at that and unpick it. We are um, looking at that as an organisation too. So uh, let's pick that up outside maybe and um, maybe we can reflect on that discussion maybe at the next PM webinar. That's a good idea. Lisa, is there anything you particularly want to add on that one? No, I think, I think um, it's probably worth, as Michelle says, covering in a bit more detail at the next mm -hmm. webinar so we can prepare maybe some slides and some information and um, we have had some various toings and froings with BMA to try and get a little bit more information um, from them and we've also liaised with some of the medical accountants so potentially we could pull together something for next time. Yeah, that'd be good. Fantastic. And I just had a little bit of um, a thought. The um, Obviously, we talked about the um, Q&I the financial help for nurses, somebody's put in the chat. The Cameron Fund is a fund that a charity you may not be aware of that helps GPs in financial distress. So finance for GPs and nurses seems to be out there. I'm thinking about practice managers and admin staff and everybody else who isn't in that group. Um, and I'm not sure what the answer is for that, but I will find out and we'll, we'll pop something on the website for that. Um, just going back to the EDEP, where do we find this to complete? I'm imagining people have received an email with the link, but I might be wrong. It's covered on the NHS digital website but I don't know if that's how people are accessing it. How is everybody else? How does everybody receive their e-deck to complete? I, I'm sure the people on the call will know will know how to do that. Um, that's the funny thing because we're not working. Oh yes via NHS Digital we've had several emails so it looks like Kate you've sent in the question. There's been an email so um, should be to the practice manager. If not I would say ask one of your um, perhaps local practice manager colleagues um, and perhaps get the uh, looks like Dawn's yes Dawn is quickly I see you quickly typing there Dawn so that's the links okay so thank you everybody the link should be in there um, but maybe trawl through some of your old emails but you must get so many hundreds I imagine that very difficult um, so if you've still got problems finding it come back to us email us afterwards and we'll have a little look further for you a couple more questions have come in um, I'm thinking Dawn this might be for you do you know if we can offer fluence to children in private education who've missed the opportunity I don't think we get CQRS for giving to school-aged children Dawn is that something you're able to answer uh, hopefully <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, if the children are in an at-risk group then they are eligible for the flu vaccine. Yes, if they uh, are school aged and in a mainstream school, they would get it via the school. Um, but if they're in private education and not in the school system, then if they're at risk, then yes, they can go to their GP 
practice and get that vaccination. If they're not in an at-risk group, then uh, I would have to go away and find out and I can do that. I can go to the screening and IMS teams because, yes, although they're in school, if they're not in mainstream, they're not going to be seen by the school-aged IMS service. So at-risk can go to the GP practice. If they're not at risk, then we need to ask that question of the local screening and IMS teams. Thank you. And let's hope that you get a little bit more action because um, Debbie, who asked the question, I'll contact PHE, but no response yet. But I think maybe Dawn, Dawn's very good at this sort of thing. So that should be really helpful. Um, a couple more things have come in. Um, school nurses still commissioned to provide for all school-aged children, whether home, private or state educated. So that's just a comment. I don't know. I, I can't comment on that. I don't know whether we have any more information on that. I don't know what, whether we know what the school what school nurses are commissioned to do, Dora, you are, or Lisa. Uh, I know I'm that not... they do go into the private schools as well. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know about um, homeschooled children. Okay. So um, perhaps we'll find out a little bit more about that as well. So, um, okay, the nurse has been once, but they missed it. And there's no mop-up apparently. Uh, okay, so that's interesting. They do go in, they have been in, but if they've missed it, what should they do? Um, so... There's a little bit of chat now about private schools and what school nurses do. So I think we will leave that there. We will find out a bit more for you and we'll come back. Um, hopefully we'll get an answer for you for next week, the next time, because um, that looks like it's quite interesting. It's stimulated a little bit of discussion there. Um, another one's come in. We've now been advised that reception staff should be vaccinated against MMR. This is not something that's previously been required at our surgery. What happens if this group of staff do not wish to be immunised? So are we cited on this? I don't think we are, Karen. Thank you for letting us know. Dawn, do you have any information about this? Um, not specifically, but um, on the basis of risk assessment, you would need to do a risk assessment. Um, uh, and if uh, the patient or the member of staff, rather, if they actually don't want it, you, you can't force them to have it. Um, so you would have to document that and what you've done about it. You'd also have to look at uh, mitigating any risks to them if they haven't had it. Um, but we can look at that more closely. Sorry, I'm looking to see where the question is, Louise. That's fine. We'll, 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 we'll get the question. Oh, just it's on the Q&A box. Oh, sorry. Um, OK. No, that's fine. Just about the reception staff and MMR. But we'll pick up those questions and um, we will. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back with you some answers because you've posed us some interesting ones there that we did, we haven't got the answer to our fingertips. But thank you. It's good to know what's um, currently top of top of the agenda in your minds. And, and hopefully we can help and we'll come back. So. Um, Fantastic. I think that's probably the end of the questions. I'm just scrolling through all the things. I think we've probably got to the end there. So unless anybody's got any more, and last time I said this, things kept popping in. So I think we're probably there. Just to remind you that um, we're back in a couple of weeks' time, um, which is going to be the 6th of December. So we really will be on the count countdown to Christmas then. Um, and this will be released as a podcast because I've just got that. Um, we've got the audio podcast, but also the, as a webinar, if you want to see that slide, and we'll put the links for the support um, on the website too. So as ever, thank you very much to Michelle and Lisa and Dawn. And thank you very much for listening and watching us. And we will be back again very soon. Oh, well, another message just popped in. It's always just the same, isn't it? What's this one going to say? Oh, thank you very much. Yes, thank you too. Very nice to see you. And um, we will see you again, hopefully on the 6th of December. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Wessex LMCs, supporting you and your practice. 